innocent name. Mr. Pitts. Where are you? Mr. Pitts, will you open your hymnal to page 542? Read the first stanza of the poem you find there. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Thank you, Mr. Pitts. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That ceased the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. Seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Why does the writer use these lines? Because he's in a hurry. No. Ding. Thank you for playing anyway. Because we are food for worms, lads. Because believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room is one day going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked past them many times. I don't think you've really looked at them. They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat> Seize the day. Make your lives extraordinary. Solomon, in his journal, Ecclesiastes, God-inspired, doesn't whisper those words. He screams those words. Seize the day. Make your lives extraordinary. Now, each one of us uh, may have a different, de different definition of what it means to be extraordinary. But the message is the same for us. Seize the day. Seize the day. And Solomon, in the twilight years of his life, is realizing that as he tried to seize his days, 
even though his days seem to be very extraordinary, those of you who have been with us through the series can remember we've talked about this. Uh, you can find this online if you want to catch up. But he realized that there was something missing in his life. He hadn't really seized the day in extraordinary ways, even though there were lots of building projects, even though every pleasure that it was conceivable uh, he experienced, even though resources were unlimited, even though under his leadership the kingdom, the government expanded and grew and there was safety and there was no battles and it, it was just a marvelous, it was a Camelot time for Israel. Yet in his later years, after writing Song of Solomon with all the hope of love and all that goes along with that, after midlife writing Proverbs and the wisdom and the principles of life, after all of that, the end of his life, he says, seize the day. We've used this imagery of seize the day under the sun. This chapter of life. Seize the day under the sun with the sun. And when we say with the sun, we mean S-O-N. We mean God's son. We mean Jesus Christ. And Solomon, as we're going to read this passage, hungered hungered for what you and I have. He hungered for a Jesus, a person that would make it possible for his relationship with the God to be just extraordinary. He hungers for that. He hungers for someone, in a sense, to come back from the grave. We'll see that in the passage. Jesus does. Almost 2,000 years. We're getting ready to celebrate that Easter, Resurrection Sunday. The reason we meet on Sunday is a constant reminder that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. That's why it's Sunday, not Saturday or some other day. doesn't mean you can't uh, celebrate God on a different day, but the reason we in this culture chose Sundays it's because it's a subtle reminder, maybe it should be more of a prominent reminder, that this is the day of resurrection. So Solomon, Dead Poet Society movie, sends that message out, seize the day. Seize the day because we need to be living in light of the end. Why well, had the boys lean in. Look at those pictures. Look at those pictures of those lives that have been lived. And the question is, how did they live? This has been a hard week for those of us who are call Seneca Community Church, our church family, with the passing of Gene Murphy. I remember having a number of conversations, even last Monday, and thanking him for living well. He seized his days. And uh, his greatest regret was that he continually wanted to help people and serve people. 
He wasn't afraid of his life slipping away. He wasn't afraid of going to beaches. He actually celebrated that. But he wondered who would help the people he likes to help. In a sense, we ought to seize his days and pick up where he left off. It's been hard as we think that. But he didn't only live well. And I said this to him, Gene, you're teaching us how to go well. You're teaching us how to die well. See, he lived in light of the end. And no matter where we are in the seasons of life, each one of us can live in the light of the end. And again, you can catch up online. So we want to seize the day. And as Solomon ends these thoughts that we have in chapter 3, uh, we can think of, uh, well, we're just going to skip this guy uh, because of time, but Anthony Hopkins says this, the same idea, he says this, he says, none of us are getting out of here alive, so please stop treating yourself like an afterthought. Eat the delicious food, walk in the sunshine, jump in the ocean, say the truth that you're carrying in your heart like hidden treasures. Be silly, be kind, be weird. There's no time for anything else. We would say that this is what Solomon says when he says this. He says, So I saw that there is nothing better for people, nothing better than they should be happy in their work. That word work is fuller than what we think. We think of work as our 9 to 5, our 6 to 2, our whatever time-punching moments. The idea for work here is what you do, what you toil at, where you invest your life. So I saw that there's nothing better for people that they should be happy in their work, what they do. And as we even prayed for the Sphinx, we said, may that doing come out of their being. I think that's true for us when we think about being happy. May our happiness come out of what we do because of where and who we've been with. Living under the sun with the sun. For that is what they're here for. And no one can bring them back to life to enjoy what will be in the future. So let them enjoy it now. Seize the day. Seize the day. Not for yourself, but at the same time, enjoy the day. A few weeks ago, we had the team from Honduras sharing. And a number of the individuals who went on that trip were reminding us of how much we had and how that created a check in their spirit. They felt a little guilty about that. And I said, God doesn't want us to feel guilty about that. God wants us to enjoy it. God wants us to leverage what we have. So it's amazing. The Sphinx demonstrate they open their homes. Those of us who have homes, we can leverage that. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be all clean, all spot and polished. We open our lives we, we enjoy those times now. 
earlier on as we um, got into this. We looked earlier back in verse 2. We talked about Ecclesiastes, about this enjoyment, this idea of seizing the day, enjoying the moments comes at the hand of God. As a Christ follower, you can enjoy those moments. You can enjoy those blessings. We walk in tension that those blessings don't become the object of our worship, the object of our adoration, because we realize that they come at the hand of God, but we still can enjoy them. Who can eat or find enjoyment without Him? So as we think about seizing the day, as we think about enjoying what is before us, stopping and smelling the roses, as some have said, we can do that, and we do that under the sun, because of the sun, with the sun, at the hand of God. And we need to make sure that we're not missing it. We're not sleeping, and we're not realizing that there's so much for us to seize and so much for us to enjoy. And, and I, I totally, absolutely believe this. When you and I are having an, a moment of enjoyment in life, is sweet, that brings pleasure to God. Because there's plenty of moments that aren't necessarily that way. So it's okay. It's okay to linger in your kitchen and enjoy your breakfast and coffee and mm, this is good and the conversation around that. Or to gather the family around and play some stupid board game and you know whatever that is. And there's laughing and going... I, I think that, that's great. Seize the day. Seize the, what we would perceive are little moments and the big moments and enjoy them at the hand of God. And if you're a Christ follower, if you've said yes to him, you have the resources. You have God himself helping you navigate through life so you can Fully enjoy those things. You don't have to go from moment to moment looking for the next big thing to fill that spot in your heart because you have Him. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about some of the things that can get in the way of us seizing the day. We didn't say it that way, but they were two things. We, we talked about just uh, looking always towards the future. We talked about finding happiness. This isn't actually in your notes. Finding happiness in the present, not just the hope of the future or the memories of the past. That's a part of seizing the day. That's about leveraging our time. We, we, we find happiness in the present. And when it's always about the future, when it's always about the next purchase, the next possession, the next position, the next season of life, we lose seizing the day and seizing the moment. And when there's some of us who feel like there's been more of life before us, we're on the other side, we're on the second half, the quarter half, whatever, and we're always looking to the past, we miss what's right before us in the moment. And that can get in the way of us seizing the day. 
the passage as we wrap up chapter 3, we're going to see, first of all, that uh, sometimes rather than seizing the day, we can be seized by injustice. The injustice of our world. We see innocent worshipers in New Zealand. Whether they have a different faith than us, that's a whole other story. But anyone who gathers to worship should not lose their life at the hand of a gunman. And we see the injustice in that. We see the injustice of someone who, who, who saves for retirement and then unscrupulous uh, runners of the company uh, play around with the finances so that they're all set, but the employees that reinvested in their company have nothing for retirement. We see the, the injustice of uh, someone drinking a little or too much and being in a car accident and, and snuffing out another life. We see all these injustices around us. We see what's going on, and we can be seized by them. Try to be aware of them. We ought to be aware of them. We ought to be passionate about giving some of ourselves to maybe change that. But we can't be seized by them. Because when we're completely seized by them and preoccupied by them, it's hard to seize the day. And then there's those injustices that you and I personally experience. Situation at work. Uh, whatever it may be. And, and, and it's just injustice. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's the way someone's treated you. And there's injustice. We didn't deserve that. It wasn't fair. And we can be seized by that. Again, it's not to pretend that didn't happen, but to be seized by it. We can't be seized by the injustices if we're going to seize the day. Solomon writes, And I saw something under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. This idea, again, of justice. There's justice, but there's not justice. There's wickedness. The person that's imprisoned wrongfully and spends some of their best years behind bars. The injustice. The person that gets away with some kind of crime. The injustice. Solomon sees it. It's there. You, you can't completely squash it out. So what do you do with it if you're going to try to seize the day? We remember in verse 17, it talks about, I said to myself, God will bring judgment, both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And what Solomon says is he goes, I'm not going to be seized by the injustice. I'm aware of it. I ought to do my part to change things. I can't have a blind eye to it, but I'm not going to be seized by it. Because someday God will set things right. He'll set it right. And yes, that, that gives us a, 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 a sigh of relief. It gives us hope. It gives us something to lean into, but it also personally, at least with me, it realizes that there's some times where I have been on the other side, where I've skirted 
the results of my action so that justice will cut both ways. A couple things to remember about justice, and we're just going to fly through these. It's not unusual. It's the norm. Remember the first time my dad told me, life is unfair. Maybe you've said that to somebody in your life, but it's not fair. Life is not fair. Remember then telling my kids when they would say something, this is a great lesson. You have to learn it. Life is unfair, so that's why this happened. And that, that does not give you any emotional satisfaction to it, but uh, you just throw it out there. It's not unusual. If you have not experienced, not seen from afar any injustice, that's not normal. That's the way it is. And those of you who are Christ followers, if we're going to take time and look at John 15, we're going to see that we're going to experience a little additional injustice. Hopefully it's not because you're being a jerk. Sometimes I have Christians who come in, yeah, I take a lot of heat at work because I do this, and I go, well, how do you act at work? And then all of a sudden I discover that they act a certain way that they've kind of brought it on themselves. It has nothing to do with them following Christ. It's just they're, they're, they're not good employees. They're not kind. They're judgmental. That's why they're experiencing injustice. So hopefully it's not for those reasons. But as a Christ follower, as you navigate life, uh, it, it, that's the way it's going to be because you follow the must master and he experienced injustice. It's not a sign of God's disapproval when you personally experience injustice. That's, that's the way of the world. And Jesus goes on and talks about, remember what I've told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will persecute you also. Probably the most difficult one for me to swallow. I don't like when people tell me this about injustice or unfairness or hard times. Is this. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for growth. Thank you. Please don't tell me that. I don't need to hear that. It builds character. You know, I don't need to hear that but it's true. It's true. It does. In James, we read, consider it a sheer gift. I don't know if I can get that far. Maybe I'll accept it, but consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenge come at you from all sides. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where it seems like it's coming at you from all sides? Not just one side, it's everywhere. It's work, it's health, it's, it's relationships, it's, it's, just, it's just coming at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open, and it shows its true colors. It's easy to see this in somebody else's life. They're a Christ follower. They claim all that, and then the pressure comes in, and then all of a sudden it starts squeezing out actions and attitudes that are completely un-Christ-like. Sometimes I find that in my own life. Ooh, where did that come from? It came from in here. It came from within my heart. You see, that pressure helps us to see where our heart really is at. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed 
not deficient in any way. We're going to wrap things up here. You can find the rest of the outline online this, later this afternoon with all the blocks, blanks filled in. But I, but I want you to think about this. How are you seizing the day? And that's not to bring you down. It's not to make you feel guilty. It's to say, hey, I can seize the day. I can squeeze all I can out of the day, out of the moments. I can even squeeze a lot out of injustice. This week I was running out of toothpaste. I've shared with you before that I have a specific kind of toothpaste I like, and now I order it online so I don't have to deal with finding it. They seem to move it everywhere. So I get my three. First time I ended up getting nine tubes, but now I get three tubes, and, and I'm squeezing it, and I'm squeezing I almost took a picture of it, and I'm just like honking down on that thing because I want to get every drop out. I don't want to throw it away and have a little drop of toothpaste in there because I'm cheap. I don't want to have to order more. Squeeze it all out. You and I have before us the opportunity to seize the day, to squeeze every little drop out of it. Because someday it's going to be gone. Those young boys, those pitchers, that they were looking at from 1900. You saw 1900, 1902, long gone. And the question that the teacher was asking, did they squeeze it all out? Did they enjoy it? Did they seize the day? That's open to all of us as we live under the sun, with the sun. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us to have preserved Solomon's journal so we can read it, so we can digest it. It's almost unbelievable to think that he had regrets when his life seemed so full. Yet it teaches us something. It teaches us a lot. It screams, seize the day. Enjoy the, the simple things. Enjoy the moment. Just not the past. Just not the future. But here and now. And we can do that as we walk with you. Help the future. Help the past. Help the injustices. Help even death itself. Not to seize us so much that we're unable to seize the day to day. Help us with that. Speak to our hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.